0: Tonight, if you would please, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, First Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to continue in the theme of revival, hallelujah, and rising up like a mighty giant that is the body of Christ, taking our place in the earth, hallelujah, and producing great fruit unto God, Hallelujah. My family and I, we were talking, I don't know if it was all of us or just my wife and I, and just rehearsing again what I want when I get to heaven, when I show up there, whether it's the rapture or a long time from now, I step out of this body and there I am and see the Lord. I want to hear him say, well done. Chris, well done. You know, I don't want to have him look at me and go, come on in. You know, no, no. You know, I don't want to. I don't want there to be any air of disappointment. Uh, I don't want to have to answer for a whole lot. I really want to hear the Master say, "Well done, you did it. Not perfect, but you did what I asked you to do." Get in here. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm wanting to hear. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm living for. And uh, whether I'm ever known in the world, I'm not living for that, right? I'm not living for Friday. I'm not living to get a new toy like a boat. That'd be nice. A jet ski. That'd be nice. But I'm not living for that. Right. You know, I'm, I'm living for eternity. And so what's wrong with a lot of American Christians? They're living with a 70 or 80 year perspective. it's all about them. Yeah. What they can get out of their 70, 80 years while they're here on the earth. And they're not really preparing to step over into eternity. They're not really realizing that your eternity is shaped by the fruit and the reward that you earn and attain in your earthly walk down here and say, what do you mean earn? You can't earn your salvation, your home in heaven, the forgiveness of your sin. That's an absolute gift. But there are rewards to be pursued. Right? They, read your Bible. I don't have time to teach that to you tonight, but we've taught it here before. And there is a... a, a uh, a reward ceremony that we're all going to be invited to. We're all going to be expected to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that word judgment would really be, the Greek word is bima. And in the Greek, bima means reward. So really what that says in the English would be the reward seat of Christ. And so every year at the end of our school year in high school, We would have an awards banquet. Anybody go to school and have something like that? And that's where all the nerds, the academic nerds, got all their prizes and all their, you know, all their valet. And I was not one of those, unfortunately. But then we would have the athletic ones. And uh, so I got to stand up during some of that, at least, you know. And so, you know, I I pulled out my old trophies. I finally threw a bunch of them away. (laughs) Big box of old trophies, they were falling apart. But, uh, you know, and pulled out that little broken fake brass trophy that they gave me. You know, best free throw shooting percentage percentage senior year. Highest score. Leading rebounder, you know. But it was nice, you know, I earned that. I, I earned that. I really was the best free throw shooter on our team our senior year. I really was the leading scorer. I really was, right? And so, uh, there, let's see, what Jesus has to give out at the Bema judgment seat of Christ It's not a fake brass, little fake marble trophy that's going to fall apart on you. No, we're talking about cities and authority and degrees of glory and reward. And most believers, I start talking about this and they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Amen. And that is why you blame it on the preachers. You know why are so many American Christians self-centered? Well, because we preach a self-centered gospel. Amen. But there's rewards. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh unto God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. There's a little scripture laid into a little letter. I think it's in 2 John. And in there the Apostle John says, Take heed to yourself that you do not lose your reward, but instead you receive a full reward. Amen. I don't care uh, why I'm off on that. But people need to be living with this in mind. Amen. Glory to God. So, you got that for free. Anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, 1 Timothy 2. But I guess we could tie it in this way. There's a will. There's a plan. There's an agenda. There's an assignment on our lives. Amen? As the church today. And I know that religion, again, would teach us that God does not need us. He's God. But God does need us. He needs us more than you realize that He needs us. Brother Scott, he and I, because of his role, as helping me in the back. We get to talk quite a bit. And he was sharing with me a quote from Brother Hagan, And he said that, uh, uh, Brother Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagen said that really Jesus right now, right now today, has no authority on the earth. Because, yeah, in uh, Matthew, after His resurrection, he said, how much authority? All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. So he delegated how much? All. All of that authority he delegated to the church. And so, you know, if God, if the sovereignty teachers were right, that God's absolutely sovereign on the earth today, well then he's to blame for everything that's going on. But you have to ask yourself, if the absolute sovereignty teachers are right, and God's in control of everything, Why do we need to pray? Why is prayer necessary? But prayer makes sense when you realize all authority on the earth has been given unto the church. It's been invested in the church. And as we, with our authority, call upon heaven in prayer, making uh, demands in prayer... Not in an arrogant way. I'm talking about making a covenant demand of faith of what God said He would do in the earth. And it unleashes God to move down here in this planet. And God's counting on us doing that. Praise the Lord. And so we've been talking about different aspects of what it's going to take for us to have this long-awaited, long-sought-for revival. And uh, one of those key ingredients is going to be prayer. Is going to be prayer. And uh, we want to talk about uh, a specific type of prayer, uh, again, called intercessory prayer. And we want to revive this art, amen, uh, because a lot of these prayer warriors that we've had are where our grandparents that have gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, they, they took their light and knowledge and revelation with them if, if someone down here on the earth didn't grab it. And so we've got to keep preaching these things. We've got to keep talking about it because I just believe as I do, one or two or half of somebody out there is going to grab hold of, of what I say and teach, amen, and actually get out there and do something with it. And even if ha- one person does something that they're not doing today, it'll have a tremendous effect. Uh, amen. But we could do, we, we should all do something with what we're about to talk about. Amen. Amen. And so in uh, 1 Timothy 2, now if you were here during our prayer hour, uh, Sunday afterno- uh, afternoon from 3 to 4, how many of you were there for that? there's quite a few of you that were here. The glory was in here, was it not? Oh my God. I mean, it was just thick in here. And God, I'm telling you, I mean, we heard His voice. <laughs> uh, gifts of the Spirit were made manifest. And I just believe there's just great effect because we got into the Spirit together. And um, I know that God used me to prophesy some things That uh, saying that, that that place, that place in the Spirit, in prayer, that is where we're called to occupy. That is a church down here on the earth. That is where we're the most dangerous to the enemy. And that's where we're going to bear our, our mo- See, our programs, that's not where the real power is. Thank God for a program. Thank God for a church calendar. But that's not going to bring victory to people's lives, having a program. I could go out there and go to the church growth guru seminars and come back and incorporate all that and wear a Hawaiian shirt and put on jeans and do all that. that you know, we might have more people come. I don't know. I don't know what kind of people they would be. You know, they would come because I dress like that instead of dressing the way I dress. And, uh, people say, well, you shouldn't judge me. Well, I, I don't want anybody to judge me because the way I dress. <laughs> I ought to go both ways, right? And, uh, but no, my point is, it's in the spirit that the church is going to have its greatest impact. Amen. Because without God's aid, God's grace, God's power, God's ability, God's movement in the earth, we're just another club. We're really just another organization. And I don't know, I've got a busy life and I'm not, I'm not real enthused about that kind of thing. Amen. Oh, but praise God, I believe there, that you and there's a big group of people out there that we've not met yet that are hungry for the power of God. And they know their families need the power of God in their life. And God wants us to have it. So in 1 Timothy, without further ado here, I don't, I've been flipping pages for a while. Where is it? <laughs> there it is. First Timothy chapter 2. Anyway, Sunday for prayer we read this. But uh, here again it says in verse 1. Uh, I, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, that supplications, prayers, notice this, intercessions, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this, praying this way, is good and acceptable. Come on, you want to do something good? Yeah. Something that God's pleased with? Yeah. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will, that really means desires, uh, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Now this passage is just chalked full of revelation and instruction for us. One thing that we could point out right away, according to verse 2, that you, how faithful you are to walk in the light of this instruction is going to determine your own, quali- your own quality of life to a degree. Mm-hmm. Notice he said that you might. That you might have a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now, one of the applications of what, the, what he's saying there is he's saying, if you will pray and if you will offer supplication, giving of thanks for all men... Pray for those who are in authority. Offer up intercessions. Amen. Make it a priority. We'll talk about that in a moment. Pray for those in authority. Well, then God's not going to instruct us to pray and then not move based on that prayer. See, God's going to use that prayer and He's going to work. And He's He's going to work in areas like our Senate and our Congress and in our governors and our state houses, our mayors, our school boards. Come on. Yes. That's how our society gets really messed up. It's because people, wicked people, people governed and dominated by Satan and demons and darkness and they're evil and they're greedy and covetous and, and they're power-hungry and they get elected. And then they pass laws that are ungodly and unprofitable and bring a curse on the land. And, and all that chaos and all that turmoil affects our quality of life. That's right. That's right. Really, I just want the government to stay out of my way. Yeah. Yeah. I know I, I don't want trash building up. I hate, you know, I'm going to call up my Where are you guys picking up the trash out? And, you know, I don't like it. But see, we pay taxes. I'm fine for that because we ought to have roads and maintain ditches right. and quality services. And we need to do those basic things and then get out of my life. Right. That's right. Amen. Amen. You know what they want? They want to tell you what kind of nail polish to wear that week and, and what tie to color to wear. They want to control whether or not you can suck your drink out of a straw. Yeah. They're right, just right. out there, power hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. So see, if we, will, if we ignore this, then we're not going to live the kind of quiet and peaceable, tranquil life. See, Satan wants worldwide chaos. Because the more chaos he can create, it's more difficult for the gospel to spread The gospel can really spread in times of peace because, you know, think about it. Uh, I have to really pray and check my heart two and three and four times about whether or not I'm going to go to Kamal's country because I'm really not up for getting arrested for being a Christian right. and persecuted and not being able to come home where I can't kiss my wife and hug my kids. Right? right? right so, but don't we, according to the gospel goal... We want more American missionaries and money and resources going into India. Not less. But because of the government and the persecution, see, it hinders. And some whole countries are closed off to the gospel because of wrong people in authority. Tell you what, I hear a lot of Christians complain about the government. But those very same Christians do not pray they disobey this scripture. Hello. And it's the church's fault. Or it's to the church's credit. The kind of government we have in any season. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. Amen. So nobody, everybody here wants to lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We want to do what is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. But this prayer plays a role. Here's another thing that you ought to see about this. Notice Paul said, I exhort therefore first. First of all. So notice he's giving this kind of prayer priority um, a place in your prayer agenda. Now I read this from Brother Hagan in preparing for Sunday's prayer hour. And he said m- many times is so simple why Christians' prayers are going unanswered. And it's simply because they're praying for themselves first. God, there's not anything selfish about our Father. Nothing. And you just gotta understand God's way. And in God's way, we are never first. Never. God doesn't put himself first. Jesus doesn't put himself first. Holy Ghost doesn't put himself first. All the leaders in the kingdom, nobody, you know, you just can't put yourself first and flow with God. Really, the divine order ought to be God first, others second, and me last. You know, you, everyone put your, put your hand on yourself somewhere. Me. Where do you fit? Last. You know, there's a lot of mamas that pray, but all they're praying about is their kids, their money, their husband, their house, their this, their that. And that God may, may put up with that in your spiritual immaturity, But if all you ever pray about is your stuff and your needs and your dreams and your desires and your wants, then eventually God's going to say, you're out of divine order, sweetie, and you've had enough time to understand what the divine order is, and you're putting yourself first. I can't answer that anymore because you're selfish. Hallelujah. One of the things that's been helping me is I've actually been writing it down as an A-item agenda in my day planner. Pray for the president. When, it, when there's an A item in my to-do list, it means I don't go to bed before the A item's done. Right? That, that's, that's how I do my A. If it's a B item, I don't have to teach you about leadership, but <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. Did he say first of all? Amen. How many of you done any kind of praying today? Okay. Now, put your hand back down. How many of your first prayer was not for you? Okay. See, much less of a percentage. So it's just a little tweak, right? Not a rebuke, just a little tweak. Amen. So before I pray for me, I'm going to pray for the president and those who are in authority. Now, notice that there are several kinds of prayer listed here that we are instructed to engage in. There is supplications. Now, supplication is a specific, known, heartfelt request Something. See, it's not a vague prayer. It's, it's You know what you want. You know what God wants in that situation according to the Word. And you could bring that before Him in your known language, in English, right? And in Jesus' name, based on this Scripture, I am asking you to do this for kings and for people in authority. Amen? And uh, so praise God. So that's, that's what a supplication is. Notice then the word prayers, just general praying, however the Lord might lead you. There's many different kinds of prayer in the scripture. But then notice intercessions. Then how about this? This takes a lot of faith sometimes, depending on who's in office. Giving of thanks. Some presidents, man, I've had... Thank you, Father. (laughs) I know I didn't do very good with that, but you said to give thanks. So there it is. You know, and other times you're like, oh, thank you, Father. (laughs) Hallelujah. But he said, give thanks. So anyway, we want to take a look for just a few minutes about uh, this type of prayer called intercession. Now, I know a lot of pastors, because of what happened in the late 80s and different times, they they shut all their intercessions group. They ignore this kind of prayer because people got weird and people got off and split the church and dressed up in military fatigues and went and flew on airplanes trying to pull down satanic, satanic powers. I mean, it just got really weird. But I believe you can pray with the right accountability and the right teaching and not get weird. I was going to ask you this question. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Would this be true or false, this statement? Okay. Um, Any prayer is better than no prayer at all. Yeah, it's kind of tricky. But, you know, Brother Hagin made this statement talking about praying for people's healing. And it just blew me out when I heard him. And i had been listening to him for years and I just came across this statement. It just blew me out. He said, more people have died because somebody prayed than any other one reason. Now, that just, just kind of just takes me out here, But you think about that. Well, what kind of prayer would he be talking about? Oh, Lord, we lift up, you know, Grandma Jane. And, we, you know, if it be your will, we have no idea. Be with her as she has this surgery. And if it's your will to not heal her, then let her die. And we'll just trust you. And that's the kind of prayer he's talking about. And Brother Hagin said, people die because they prayed that way. <laughs> So there's, I don't put my, I don't get on Facebook and say, oh, everybody pray because I don't know these fools out there. I don't know what they're praying. And I don't want my name attached to their ignorant prayer. And I got a little unwritten list of who's permitted to come in the hospital situation if I'm out and can't talk. And I don't want them in my room. I don't care that they're my kin, keep them away from me. Because I've heard them pray before. <laughs> Amen. Oh, glory to God. Okay. So I wanted to read this to you. Because you love getting challenged. This is, uh, is E.W. Kenyon's book, In His Presence. And I know this is an old cover, but uh, if you don't have this in your library, I don't think we have it in a bookstore right now. You should. It is such a good book on prayer. And um, But I wanted to read this to you. Uh, praise God. And so this little section in my teaching here is I want to let him teach us about our responsibility to intercede. You know, before I tell you really more what intercession is. Uh, that we have a responsibility to pray. And he just says it very articulately. Amen. And so I'm just going to read this to you. Uh, praise God. There are only two ways of getting acquainted with God. Through the Word and by prayer. If you do not take time to pray, you're losing out. You cannot say you have no responsibility in the prayer life, for you have. To see a need is to have a call to prayer. Isn't that good? So You, you observe somebody's need. You just got a call to prayer right there. There are people who will be utterly lost unless you take t- their place in prayer. I want Did you hear that? Yeah. There are people who will be utterly lost. He means to hell unless you take your place. Unless you do your part, men will cry against you through eternity. I want to stop there. What's he saying? There's going to be someone in the lake of the damned. And they're going to have more they're going to be damned but they're going to have more knowledge down there because they'll be awakened to the reality of their true condition. And throughout the eons of eternity, they're going to be calling out in agony your name against you because they knew you and you didn't pray for them or you never said anything and they're in this place forever because you never took your responsibility to witness or to pray. It won't change your ultimate abode but think, I don't want someone echoing throughout eternity, Chris cuss me and, and all that as they're experiencing the torments of hell knowing that they came across my path and I never said anything. Or maybe in some, whatever enlightenment they have, they could see He was supposed to pray for me. I could see that now. He never did. Hallelujah. I just want to kind of create that picture in our minds. It's serious business. Amen. And uh, praise God. Oh, unless you do your part, men will cry against you through eternity. You can't plead that you have too much work to do. You can pray while you work. (laughs) You can't put up the plea that you do not know because you can learn if you wish. For if you disobey the prayer call... For you to disobey the prayer call is for you to disobey the call of your Father. The prayer responsibility today is the most important thing of our lives. It's a big statement. Did you ever realize that there are men and women who are defeated and are breaking down in their business, in their home, and in their spiritual life because we have not prayed? Then he says, let me change that because you haven't prayed. You have been occupied with your pleasures and your dreams. And men and women staggering under the burdens you should have carried are breaking down. Oh, God, have mercy on us. As you read this, do not read it simply to awaken you for the moment, but let prayer become like your eating or your business or your home. If you are a mother or a wife and live at a home or live at home, there are certain duties which you perform every day for your family. The greatest duty that you will ever perform for your family will be the prayer duty. It may be that it is no longer a privilege. You have thrown the privilege away. You have ignored it. It has now become a stern duty. You must go back to your prayer closet and begin anew your fellowship with Him. Do it for the sake of your family, the boys and the girls, for the sake of your home and church, and God will honor you. Children are growing up in Christian homes without the restraining power of God over their lives. Think about that. They do things. They violate rules. They sneak out at night because mom and dads aren't praying. And there's that invisible force around them for good that restrains them because they've got that prayer backing. The reason is apparent. Mothers and fathers have failed in their responsibilities in the prayer life. I call on you men and women. You, you yourselves are to blame for the crime and the lawlessness of the youth of this generation. To go and ask His forgiveness and to take up your responsibilities now. (laughs) Because he said it in the Amplified. Just a little more. You okay? Uh, I know it stings a little bit. Hallelujah. Praise God. So few of us, he says, in our busy lives, take any time to pray. That Spirit, the Spirit of God, searches through a congregation for the willing hearts that will deny themselves some of the common pleasures and will be first in the line of prayer instead of last. Oh, these willing hearts, uh, uh, God rolls the burden on them for the entire church. Thank God that in our church, uh, there are those who are willing to set aside whole nights of prayer who will leave the joy of visiting loved ones and hide away alone with Him to take my burden and yours that we have in some way failed to roll on the Lord. They encompass our Jericho with their persistent intercession. I want to stop here and just say thank you to Sister Arlene for being this kind of person who has spent many hours at home in the nighttime with a lot of the prayer responsibility for this church and I just love her for that and appreciate her for that so much and Marilyn is very much like that too and others amen but who knows how much things have been done and church sustained and we're able to progress and lives rescued, and it's not because we prayed, it was because she did. (laughs) I don't know how many times I preached the right sermon when I probably wouldn't have because she prayed, not because I, but because she prayed for me. Amen. And uh, so, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let me find where I am. Not, Not too much more here. It is a pity that more of us do not force ourselves into a life of prayer. Now, that's a little nugget. That'll tell you the kind of effort it's going to take if you're not a prayer person to become one. Because you know, like I know, how much the flesh will fight you on that. And so he talks about forcing yourself, praise God, into being a prayer person. Glory to God. While, uh, okay, we have the time. We use it in useless talk or careless reading. While the Spirit is searching for an outlet, He must pass us by because we are not ready. Oh, I beseech you, reader, not to talk about it anymore, or don't plan when you're going to do it, but begin now. Force yourself into the prayer life. Regardless of how you feel, drive yourself to prayer. You will be amazed how halting and stumbling will be your first efforts. You have been rated, perhaps, as an unusual Christian worker in the church. He means people look at you and you're like, they're like, "Wow,? What a church person. What a worker, What a faithful person. Men look on you as an outstanding Christian, but if they knew that in behind your public profession there was an empty closet and an unused prayer room, they would be amazed. If you live with the Lord in secret, you will be able to pray with great freedom in public. Ooh, I like that. Unconsciously, we call upon the people to pray who are on praying terms with the Lord. Who do you, you know, Think about who we call when we get in trouble. It's these special people, right, who know how to get a hold of God. Seldom will a spiritually minded person reach out to an unspiritual life for help. And that's smart. It is only when we are clutching at straws that we do it. You see, prayer has several elements, and he goes on and talks about some uh, of those elements. Amen. Those are challenging words, aren't they? They are challenging to me. I'm sure that they are challenging to you. Amen. But, um, you know, it, you know, you got a big boulder you got to move out of the way. Great log, it's going to take some force. And some of us are so deeply rooted in a life Void of prayer, that it's going to take some force to get that boulder moving a little bit. Uh, Amen. And, uh, but I tell you what, one of the greatest things that as you begin to pray, uh, God will, God is so good, He's going to whet your appetite. He's going to help you see the fruit of your praying. Amen. And if you'll stay with it long enough, it will go from being a dry discipline to a deep, deep delight. Amen? Uh, to, to really uh, partner with the Father. And here's a, here's a definition for intercession. And that is, leaving the realm of self and taking the place in prayer for and on behalf of someone else. That's what intercession is. It, it's just praying for someone else. Amen? But... There's more to it than that. Real, true intercession is spurred on and springs forth from a leading from the Spirit of God. You know, uh, I've never really gotten... I would say just my results are very limited when I just decided on my own I'm going to intercede for a situation. But it's when the Spirit of God prompts you. Right? When He lays that... When he stirs your heart, he makes you aware of a situation, or there's many different ways it's beyond the scope of tonight's you know, teaching about how this, this burden to pray would come on you. If you look up the Greek definition, if you click on you know, if you have an electronic Bible and you click on uh, intercession and it, if it were to take you to Strong's Bible Concordance, uh, I did that today. And uh, I have a Vine's dictionary also. And this is what the word intercession means it says it means a lighting upon. A lighting upon. So in other words, you could just be going along or, or in your just normal fellowship with God and the Spirit of God lights upon you. Lights upon you. He sets you on a trail. He'll, he'll cause a name to come before you. He'll, he'll cause a feeling to be felt. He'll, he'll cause a stirring in your heart that's different from that vein that you were in before. Amen. And he may give you detail about the situation, or he may keep you in the dark and say, it's none of your business, I just need you to pray. Amen. Amen. And But uh, I like that we're in intercession. It means alighting upon. Alighting upon. But Dr. Vines goes on and says, it means a meeting with. It is likened to a conversation or a petition. But here is the ancient technical term uh, for intercession is the formal approach to a king to make a petition of the king for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So when I re- think about that definition I think about Esther. That how God strategically positioned Esther as her uncle said for such a time as this. And what was her her whole life was set up for this one moment where she was strategically positioned where she could have favor with the king. And she would go and petition the king. Not for herself, but for for the deliverance of her people. Now you think about that. What if she had not done it? What would have become of the Hebrew people under that kingdom had she never taken responsibility for the call or the mandate that came on her life to step up and petition the king for somebody else? Amen. And we need to think deeply, friends, uh, about this thought. What, what, huh, what happens if we don't pray? What happens if we don't pray? What happens if we never develop, develop the spiritual sensitivity to sense the leading of the Lord, to call us to a place of Spirit-led prayer on in behalf of somebody else? What's going to happen to that somebody else if God can't through the night find someone who will take it up? Now again, the sovereignty teachers will say God is God and if He wants to intervene, He will. No! That's just not what the Bible teaches. If God can't find somebody, we have it throughout the Scripture. Think about Ezekiel, That Scripture in Ezekiel. That the eyes of the Lord, I think that's in Ezekiel, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro. Throughout the whole earth. And they're looking. He's, the Spirit of God is looking for someone who will stand in the gap. And it goes on and says, because He found none, He had to bring judgment upon the people. Destruction came upon the people. God was looking for someone to stand in that gap, to petition Him... Because that other person wasn't. And judgment was about to come on them. But God was saying, hey, if I could get one of you people down there, one of you humans that I gave authority to, to just ask me, petition me, partner with me, down there and up here, right, that I can spare them. I can work. You can turn me loose in their situation. And those circumstances can be changed. Those destinies, the outcome of those destinies can be altered. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And God, it's not, see, God just sees church so differently than we do. You know, most pastors in church, they're, all they're, they're consumed with is how do we fill up the seats? How can we fill it up? When God is saying, I don't care about that, I, could we find somebody who knows how to pray? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Someone who can cooperate with me and, and uh, I can light upon them. I, uh, I remember, I think it was here that Reverend Greer was preaching in one of those times he was here and he was talking about prayer and he was talking about um, just being burdened in the nighttime and was praying. He knew he was praying for someone, but he didn't know who it was. And But he not only prayed, as he prayed, he got this instruction from the Lord to get in his car and go. <laughs> okay, go where? And that was all he got. Just get in the car and go. And so he had enough faith and boldness to just get out there in the middle of the night and go. And uh, I think he had his roommate, uh, as a Raymond College student, he had a roommate, Bible student, and, and talked to him to go with him. And, and they went out, and as he went, as he drove, God said, turn here. Turn there, turn here. And they went up into this little 24-hour diner. I don't know if anybody remembers this story. And he said, the reason I brought you here is inside. Well, there's several people in there, but God did say, gets an adventure of faith. Right. And so he and a friend went in, they're kind of looking around, kind of sat down, and as they looked around, there was a single man huddled over in the corner against one booth, and the Spirit of God just, that's the one. That's the one. And I hope I'm remembering, recalling the details of the story accurately, but as I recall it, the young man had just lost his job. He was, you're going to just be in destitute out in the street. He was just suffering with this thought of having to go home and tell his wife and kids, something to that effect. But they sat down, they encouraged him, gave him the word, led him to the Lord. Another case, I was listening to Brother Hagen talk about similar thing. He's praying, praying in the middle of the night, didn't know what he's praying for, didn't know who he's praying for. God says, Get in a car. Well, he got in the car and went. And, and he, he found himself on a bridge and he saw a guy climbing on the bridge. He's about to hurtle himself off. And God says, That's the one you're praying for. Went over there and pulled him down, got him away, convinced him to get in the car, talked to him about three hours later, was able to lead him to the Lord. Now, here, go back to my point. What if he'd not prayed? What if he'd not prayed? Amen. Now, we see wonderful, I just, you know, wonderful things almost on a weekly basis here in the church. And if you're not really able, I know I'm, I want to use the word able because I don't mean unwilling. A lot of our prayer times, you know, are like Thursday mornings. Your work and many, most people, and that, man, we get that. Um, but, you know, where we take up weekly petitions or my prayer times, you know, that people will call me through. I'm your pastor, right? People will call me. I don't get up and just report everything. But, you know, we had two kind of... Could have been critical situations this week, and, and, and we've prayed, not just me, but others, and all green lights and all good things, and seeing things turn, going the right direction physically. It's amazing stuff. And it's just a, almost just a weekly thing. And we love it, and it's wonderful. But if I don't share it enough, forgive me, but we want to enlist more of you in this wonderful activity. Amen. Because it's not just me or Sister Arlene or, amen, those that have been here a long time that God wants to use. And you don't have to be a Christian for 45 years before God will use you. You don't have to have read 25 prayer books. You know, a lot of you, you have feelings of depression and you don't know why. A heaviness will come on you all of a sudden with no natural reason for that to come on you. You need to just take that as a. That's one of the. That's one of the cues. That's one of the ways the Spirit of God manifests Himself. He's trying. He's putting that. It's as a cue. I'm putting a burden on you to pray. I've got an assignment on you to pray. You just have to understand this: the the spirit of spiritual things. There is an element of mystery to them, not weirdness, but just mystery. Sometimes I just wish. That when my alarm went off at 6 a.m., the Spirit of God would give me a text message in English and say, Please pray for this situation. But it's, it's just not like that. Amen. So that if that happens, so you just know earthly reason. So now well that could be a satanic attack. It might be. What would be the answer to that? Pray. Pray. Amen. But a lot of times you'll find that the Bible says that we are touched as believers, just like Jesus. Jesus, as our high priest, is touched with the feelings of people's infirmities. And we're in Christ. And we've been made priests unto Him. So we're going to share to a degree in that. So at times, he, the, way he could, the way He could signal you, I need you to pray, is He'll make you feel what another person's feeling. I heard Brother Hagin talk about it many times. He talked about he'd just be going along praying, and all of a sudden he's wailing and he's crying, and he's got every intense sensation like he is lost and about to die and go to hell. And that'd freak you out if you don't know what's happening. But it's the Spirit of God, it's a form of intercession. You are standing in the gap for that person. What you need to understand about to do, you need to pray. And this is so important, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit where you can speak forth in other tongues. Yield to the Spirit of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, when it comes to speaking with tongues, one of the great, (laughs) God is so wise, right? Is that, let's say for you that in your prayer ministry for me, well, and this is especially true of my wife, but me too. I don't want y'all up in my business about everything. Hello? How then could you, could you still then pray for me accurately but not be a nosy person? The Spirit of God, right? He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. Howbeit in the Spirit no one understands Him. So, he could give you utterance to pray in an unknown tongue, and you're praying perfectly and accurately for me, but because it's coming out of your spirit in a language your mind doesn't understand, you're praying accurately for me, but your mind is out of my business. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, the, the, it's, the, it's 100% true. I don't, the longer I pastor, Father, if I don't have to know it, I'd rather not know it about the, what they're doing, my sheep, what they're doing out there. Oh my God, I want to love them and, and I want to appreciate them. I don't want to feel like I have to take a shower every time I shake their hand. You do understand, I know that not all of you are living clean and holy and all that. You know, I do understand that, right? Maybe, all, maybe some of you are, but praise God. I want to be able to pray for you and not have that image and that thought and your, about your private battles. And God is just so wonderful that He's given us this supernatural means of divine communication with Him where He keeps our minds out of it. Yeah. Isn't God, isn't God wise? He's smart about it. Praise God. I mean, you, can, you can pray about some... Well, you could be praying about some highly classified government business and you never have to go to jail for violating anything because you prayed it perfect, but the Spirit of God kept your mind off of it. I'm telling you, our president needs intercession. Amen. You know, I, I pray for him what I know to pray in English. People have asked me, how are you praying for the president lately? Well, you know, I'm praying Isaiah 54:17. No weapon formed against him shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against him in judgment is condemned already. Amen. Right? And uh, finishing that verse, and I find myself praying, You know, Father, deliver him from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Different things. Pray the scripture that I know, but I try to spend a little bit of time saying, now that's what I know to pray. But Holy Ghost, I know there's a lot that I don't know. And I don't know about, but it needs to be prayed about. Rondo right, and just take off. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we need to revive this art. We need to revise this practice. Brother Hagin said, on a tape I, or a message I listened to today, he said, You know, the revivals and the outpourings and the things that we experience in the church today are not the result of yesterday's prayer or last week's prayer, but the prayers of yesteryear. Yeah. Right? And so, if anything's going to happen out there, 2022, 2023, right, out there, if the Lord right. tarries, is coming, yeah. we probably ran. I know, I know the Spirit of God told Reverend Greer. You've run out the empty tank of grandma and grandpa's prayers. And if this generation doesn't pick up and pray, there's (laughs) I don't have any it's this generation's turn to stand in the gap and pray. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, I've said enough, I think, tonight. But before we go, I want to pray for your son. That's what the Lord put on my heart. Right? You you gave me a prayer request through the app today. Not, again. We-